Sports. We can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings, Voice of America listeners. This is VOA Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the February 6th edition of the Sunny Side of Sports. African football fans are looking forward to Wednesday's semifinal matches at the Africa Cup of Nations tournament in Ivory Coast. The Super Eagles of Nigeria will play Bafana Bafana of South Africa in the first semifinal in Bwake, Ivory Coast. The Super Eagles are three-time Nations Cup champions, lifting the trophy in 1980, 1994, and 2013. Bafana Bafana has won the Nations Cup once on home soil in 1996. Ivory Coast will host the Democratic Republic of Congo in the second semifinal in Abidjan. Each team has lifted the Nations Cup twice the Elephants of Ivory Coast in 1992 and 2015, and the Leopards of the DRC in 1968 and 1974. Meanwhile, Bafana Bafana's quarterfinal victory over Cape Verde Saturday in a dramatic penalty kick shootout has ignited South African football fans who are hoping this side can replicate the victorious team of 1996. Myron Nika joins us now from South Africa. Sporty greetings, Myron! Sporty greetings, Sonny. South Africans stayed up until the early hours of Sunday celebrating their team's progress to the semifinals at AFCON 2023. From Johannesburg to Durban. Pretoria to Cape Town. There is big belief that Bafana Bafana can go all the way. Uh, Williams, wow. It just gave me hope that now we are going to the semifinals. There is a big possibility when I look at Williams' performances. And I'm like, we're taking this thing home. I think this Bafana team has pleasantly surprised us all. I think we, we knew we had a good team, but... We didn't know how just how good they could be. Um, and I think that going on to the international stage and showing that to the African continent and the world uh, is really impressive. Um, is really proud to be associated with Bafana. While their euphoria of beating Cape Verde and reaching the semi-finals for the first time in 24 years still lingers, Bafana Bafana's focus is firmly on Nigeria. The Super Eagles will provide a stern test. After losing to Mali in their tournament opener, South Africa have enjoyed an impressive run with positive results against Namibia, Tunisia, Algeria and Cape Verde. Their captain, Ronan Williams, who remarkably saved four penalty kicks, a record at the Nations Cup, shared some insight into their success. Williams says it's been a collective effort, specifically explaining how they masterminded the shootout against the Blue Sharks. I give credit to the analysts and the goalkeeper coach as well. Um, they sent me so many clips, you know, and my phone is full of penalty clips. So it's credit, you know, to the analyst for, for doing the work. Because it's not easy to get, um, you know, footage of some of these players, you know, because they're playing all over the world. So, yeah, big ups to the analyst for preparing the clips for me to watch and study. And, you know, it was, they made my job. 50% more easier because I had an idea where most of the uh, players were going. 
Bafana Bafana have now kept four clean sheets in a row, with Williams setting the tone for a solid foundation at the back. Former national goalkeeper Brian Baloy spoke exclusively to the sunny side of sports, hailing Williams' influence at the tournament. For me, he's by far the best penalty saver I've seen, um, not only in South Africa, in Africa, in the world. I know most people maybe on the continent have just saw, or globally just saw now, what he's done with um, you know, the last game, that he's done this consistently, he's done it so many times. On Wednesday, the northern Ivorian town of Boake will stage the semi-final between South Africa and Nigeria. The rivalry between these teams has grown over the years, and with a place in the final at stake, Beloy believes it has the ingredients for a blockbuster clash. I would rather play Nigeria than uh, anybody else. Um, and I know in the last few years we've been um, uh, consistently you know, um, playing very well against Nigeria. I know we're playing up there in the north. They're not far from home. They will get a big support, but I think uh, we've done it before. We can do it again. And I believe our boys uh, and the coach have enough in the arsenal to beat Nigeria to go all the way to the final. Nigeria and South Africa have met on 15 occasions since 1992. The Super Eagles have won eight, while South Africa just two. South African defender Grant Kekana shared his thoughts on facing the three times champions. Yeah, obviously it's another tough opponent. Uh, you know, Nigeria has a lot of quality players. Um, you know, they've done well to also get this far. Um, but we believe in ourselves. Um, we're going to go to the drawing board, you know, plan accordingly um, and give, us, give ourselves a chance at, you know, getting a positive result against them. This is a group which has embodied a sense of pride and one that exudes energy wherever they go. Now, will they be able to stop the mighty super eagles from flying high? For the sunny side of sports, I'm Myron Nika in Durban, South Africa. Sporty greeting, this is Victor Simeon, Super Eagles of Nigeria and Napoli FC forward. You're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. the sunny side of sports on facebook x formerly known as twitter and at voaafrica.com my facebook address is facebook.com forward slash voa sunny my x formerly known as twitter handle is at voa sunny sports and if you go to voaafrica.com you can listen online to the sunny side of sports as well as past episodes Check out voaafrica.com for lots of Africa news. For world news, go to voanews.com.
Sports. More Africa Cup of Nations football news on the sunny side of sports. Some members of the Nigerian community in Ivory Coast have set up a viewing center, or Khan Village, for fans who cannot afford to buy tickets to watch AFCON matches. The coordinator of the Nigerian Viewing Center in Abidjan is Joseph Nanso. As for the Khan Village, the Nigerian football village here in Ivory Coast, being the host nation of this uh, year, Nations Cup, it was actually a people-motivated idea because um, there is a new trend in football, actually, lately. So whenever there is a tournament like this, so the government offers to build a viewing center where people can come together and watch the ball, those that will not be able to go to the stadium. Because, of course, none of this stadium is going to... I don't think there's any stadium in the world that is uh, above 150,000 population. So most of this stadium here, I think the biggest is about 60-something thousand capacity. And then we have uh, more than uh, 5 million people in the city and more than 30 million in the entire country. So not everybody will be able to go to the stadium. For AFCON fans who can't go to the stadiums, Nanso says different types of viewing centers have been set up in Ivory Coast, some by the tournament's corporate sponsors. So in order for people to key into the festivity of the period and enjoy the glamour of uh, the Nations Cup uh, tournaments going on in the country, so different villages are set up. So we have the Calf Village, we have the Kokan village, which is uh, the local organizing committee village. And then most of these top brands have also taken it upon themselves to make their co- customers feel at home by setting up uh, these villages, such as uh, uh, Solibra, uh, which is like Nigerian Brewers, and um, some of the official sponsors like Total Energy Village, and then Etel Village, some of the official sponsors. Joseph Nanso says it was important to set up a viewing center for the many Nigerians who live in Ivory Coast. I thought about it that we need a village of our own because we have more than 3 million Nigerians residing here in Cote d'Ivoire. And so many Nigerians, I saw so many of my friends coming in from Nigeria. And to be very honest, the kind of support that our national team has generated at the cost of this can has been really nothing short of... uh, um, amazing. So we got inspired to set up a village for Nigerians where Nigerians can come in. Uh, those that will not be able to get to the stadium still stay around, watch this ball together, feel happy, and then create an enabling environment for our people that are coming in that doesn't really know their way. A place we can meet and greet, uh, help them in different challenges they may be having. Be as being that we ourselves, Nigerians living here, we are like co hosts too. Nanso says the AFCON fans will get better food bargains at the viewing centers than they would at Ivorian hotels. So somewhere they can come and eat our local food at a very affordable rate. We saw some of them spending 18000 sefa, which is approximately 36000 in the hotel. They eat, they still don't get satisfied. Meanwhile, you can spend just 2000 and you're satisfied. And so far, it has been a wonderful experience for all of them. So this where they drive behind the creating of the village where we can also uh, bring together young talents to come and uh, display, entertain our people, 
where we can create a fantastic memory during the Nations Cup here in Cote d'Ivoire. So this was the drive behind the Nations Cup. And of course, it has cost us so much to set this up um, because we didn't start the arrangement earlier. And so as a result of this, we couldn't get all the necessary sponsors that we needed for this event. And uh, trust me, it has cost me personally a, li a, a life fortune. So more than 140 million invested in this project. So, but we are hoping that um, at the end of the day, that uh, we will get the necessary satisfaction that has led us into this project. That's Joseph Nanso, the coordinator of an AFCON viewing center in Abidjan, Ivory Coast. And he spoke with the sunny side of sports from Abidjan. Hello, this is Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Wake up, dance this music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2020 That song has them singing and dancing in Ivory Coast. Joining us now to tell us more about it is my VOA colleague, Muckville Yabaro. Sporty AFCON greetings, Muckville. Sporty AFCON greetings, Sonny. Tell us about that song, man. Man, that song, Coupe de Marteau uh, by Tamsir, is going viral, absolutely viral in Abidjan, Ivory Coast, all over Ivory Coast, and potentially all over West Africa, really. The song has 21 million views wow. on YouTube. YouTube wow. in under a month. Um, everywhere you go in Abidjan, when I was there, I was hearing it. Whether it's you're walking into a store, whether you're at the games, every DJ is making sure they're spinning it. And every time that song comes on, I don't know what it is. Like the beat, the melody, it, it just has this very infectious feeling to it. It just wants, makes you want to get up and just start <laughs> dancing. So it's, 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 it's everywhere. Now, uh, this artist, Tam Seer, is, he's Ivorian? Yes, he's a young Ivorian artist. Uh, he's like an artist slash producer, kind of similar to like a DJ Khaled, where he just uh, creates the beats and then gets a bunch of other artists on the song to create uh, kind of like a... Uh, uh, somewhat of like a collaborative effort, okay. uh, but he's he's definitely on fire with this one. People are saying this is the unofficial Afcon theme song. When you think of Afcon right now, you're thinking this song. It's really everywhere. 
Now, uh, in terms of everywhere, Muckbill, it's across borders. They're, the Nigerians are playing it. The Ivorians are playing it. The Senegalese are playing it. It's so interesting because it has become that song that when a team scores and they're celebrating, doesn't matter <laughs> if it's against the host nation. The song, the DJs are running it. So then you'll see, like I remember uh, when Equatorial Guinea w- beat uh, Ivory Coast 4-0. At one point, the DJs started playing that song and the, and the Equatorial <laughs> Guinea fans are dancing to the Ivorian song. It was crazy. It was crazy. But everyone loves it, man. You can see like on TikTok and social media platforms like Instagram, you look and you just, if you just put down the, the name of the song or the artist, you'll see tons of people in the gym, mm. like at coffee, at brunch, playing the song. So it's like it's has become one of those phenomenons. Now, Muckbill, I know you love music. Uh, what type of music were you listening to when you were in Ivory Coast? So w- while I was out there, to be honest with you, I really wanted to get embedded with the music from that region. So okay. a ton of Ivorian artists, as we know, you know, Asalfo from Magic System also has the actual official uh, song of AFCON uh, that he did in collaboration with Mohammed Ramadan from Egypt and uh, Femi Alade from Nigeria. So, you know, we were running those songs. But outside of that, I kind of was just taking in a bunch of new uh, Francophone type of songs okay. because, you know, like they, they they have a heavy French influence there. And some of the songs were even like uh, that. I would just when I'm uh, in an Uber ride, for instance, I'd just be listening and, and hearing songs that sound so melodic. And I really don't my French is not that great. I could pick up a few words here and there, but you know, bonjour. I, 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 I really wouldn't know what's really being said, but that's the beauty of music. Sometimes you really don't have to know what's being said. You can feel you it. You can feel yeah, it. Yeah. So, you can feel it. so a ton of uh, amazing, uh, energetic music coming out of Ivory Coast right now. Well, Muckbill, I think it's appropriate to say Phil Foden was feeling it on Monday. Let's give a sunny side of sports salute to Foden. Hat trick for Manchester City. They scored a 3-1 road victory over Brentford. And now the three-time defending champions have pulled within two points of Liverpool. Your thoughts? Yeah, um, you know what they say. It's it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And uh, for whatever it's worth, Man City is starting to click at the right time. About, what, 15, 16 games Sounds left in about the season. Right, yeah. um, and they look like they can make one of those runs where – everybody's going to have to make sure at the top that they don't drop any points. So if Liverpool and Arsenal want to make this a battle, they can't afford to drop any points. And uh, they still Manchester City still has that game in hand. Uh, they'll be playing on Saturday, I believe. Uh, on Saturday, they play the first game against Everton. And at that point, all teams will have played 23 games. So we'll see if they get a win against Everton who is desperate uh, for a win as they are in the 18th position and in relegation uh, territory right now. So I know Everton's going to do whatever they can to try to get a point, at least a point out of that. Um, but City's really clicking right now. It's a, They're looking dangerous. Uh, speaking of dangerous, Muckbill, the danger man, Erling Holland, uh, back on the pitch on Monday, uh, making his first start since December 6th. What does his presence mean to Manchester City? He he's just a 
I really don't even know how to put into words what he means to that team, but he is an excellent, excellent um, number nine. He is that perfect number nine that you want in a position. He's very tall. He's physical. He's strong. He has great IQ. Uh, he doesn't really do too much outside of that box, and he really doesn't have to, right? Because he's been put in that system to do something for that team, and he does it at the highest level. Now, one of the goals that was scored um, by Foden, his third goal, was an assist. It was like a one-two pass. Okay. Foden passes the ball to Haaland. Haaland gives it right back to him, and Foden scores. A uh, really, really good goal. But it goes to show you that when you have so much of your defense worrying about a player of the caliber of an Erling Haaland, it opens up other players like Foden. Foden is, re- realistically speaking, can be option one or option number two in any team in the Prem. And... Uh, on this team, when you look at him, he's not really like super duper high up. You know, you have guys like Kevin De Bruyne, who's back in rotation, who has really been uh, that that igniting force for this team. He comes back in and now look what he's doing. He's created so many opportunities for them. And to, to be honest with you, Brentford scored that goal first. Right. So they're down one zero. That was a nice goal. Very nice goal. Uh, goes to show you, though, what championship pedigree does. You don't really get scared being down one. You know what you have, and you just kind of keep chipping away at it. 1-1, 2-1, 3-1. It's a wrap. Well, let's take a look at the table now, uh, Muckbill. Liverpool at the top with 51. Uh, Man City and Arsenal right behind them with 49. And then we got Aston Villa with 46. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur with 44 points. Do you, do you see uh, this tight race continuing for the remainder of the season? I think uh, City is going to try to separate itself with that game at hand. If they are able to beat Everton, they'd be at 52 points. So it would be them at 52, Liverpool at 51, Arsenal at 49. Um, I think if you're Arsenal or Liverpool and you want to make this a real, real race uh, for the for the finish, you can't afford to drop any more points. Liverpool could have really created distance, right? Mm. Uh, had they beat Arsenal um, in this clash of the Titans that they just played uh, in the uh, Emirates Stadium where Arsenal was able to win 3-1 uh, decisively, actually. So really goes to show you, man, you cannot afford to drop any more points. I don't see Man City dropping very many points. Uh, so Arsenal and Liverpool have a tall task till the end of the season. Pro basketball, Muckbill, an update on Joel Embiid. He had surgery on his left knee. Uh, he'll, he'll be out at least four weeks uh, when he'll be reevaluated. And I think at this point, Muckbill, because of that uh, you know, lengthy absence of a month at least, uh, he, he will not be able to defend his MVP title. Absolutely. They're saying that uh, Embiid's out at least four weeks. Um, so for sure, I don't think he's going to uh, be able to defend his uh, uh, MVP because of that new 65-game rule uh, imposed by the NBA this season. But to be honest with you, I think if the Philadelphia 76ers can just stay in playoff contention, having the big man back uh, for the playoffs... I don't think anybody really wants to see that team in the playoffs, regardless of if they get in at the eighth seed or the seventh seed or play in game, whatever, right. whatever the situation is, you don't want to play a healthy Joel Embiid 
and Philadelphia. I mean, you know, Muckbill, the playoffs are so long. I mean, yeah. I, they last about three months. So maybe, maybe Philly is taking the right approach to make sure Embiid is completely healthy and and bring him back. Possibly, maybe in a second round series. We'll see how. Hopefully, he'll be back this season. Yeah, I'm about to wait and see. I I think I like their approach simply because Sonny, they saw what happened last year with him, where he was over exhausted and he really told the fans and analysts alike that he wanted to go for that MVP. It was a goal of his. It was on his bucket list. So, And I kind of respect that, right? Sometimes players say, oh, if I get it, I get it. If I right. don't, but deep down, they really want it. So for him to come out and say, I'm going for this thing, I really think that I am a perennial all-star. I think I am one of the best, if not the best player in this league. I'm going for this MVP race. Uh, um, so, And he did, and he, he got it, but in turn, what what did that mean for the 76ers? He ends up burning himself out, plays maybe one too many games in that chase for that uh, MVP uh, title, and then he hurts himself in that you know series in the in the, in the postseason last year. So I think if the 76ers learned anything from that, it's that you know. When Embiid is playing, he is he is a megastar in this league. He can get you 70, right, which is insane. But you got to rest him. You can't play him on these back-to-back sometimes. So I think they're going to have a different approach with him. But it's all depending on this young core now to be able to keep this team in contention for the playoffs. Muckbill, Joel Embiid was hurt during a game, uh, during a loose ball scramble when – the Congolese forward, Jonathan Kaminga, one of the up-and-coming young stars in the NBA, uh, landed on his leg, and unfortunately Embiid was hurt and he had to have surgery. But Kaminga, shout-out for Kaminga, 28 points and 10 rebounds last night as uh, the Golden State Warriors beat the Brooklyn Nets 109-98. Your thoughts on Kaminga? Baller. Like one word, baller, he's a hooper. He is everything that they wanted from him, and he's grown into it. Uh, it's unfortunate that it seems like he's kind of pushing Clay out of that position. Uh, but if I'm the, 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 the Golden State Warriors, I go with the younger guy. You know, it's, it's a business at the end of the day. We love you, Clay. You know, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna raise your jersey and the banners. You know, you're 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 gonna be retired as a warrior. Absolutely, we love you for what you've done for the dynasty. But it may be time, man. Yeah. So it's it's the younger guys plus Steph. Steph's the only older uh, OG from that uh, dynasty squad that has been able to kind of still keep his legs and keep that you know his. Uh, offensive momentum going uh in that rotation but outside of that you see Draymond and what he's doing he hasn't been as effective as he has been in in the last few years Clay similarly so yeah we're seeing a lot of the younger guys uh kind of coming into their own which honestly as an organization you want to be able to you know have the new batch of players kind of go up under and learn from the the OGs and be able to kind of keep pushing your organization forward. So shout out to Kaminga, man. I really like his game. Let's give a shout out to the Los Angeles Clippers sailing along right now with a record of 34 wins, 15 losses. Uh, They're right in there in that Western conference race. 
Uh, last night, James Harden, 30 <laughs> points, 8 rebounds, and 10 assists. What One of the older teams in the West that have somehow found a way to click uh, the selfish I guess selflessness. Uh, selflessness. Yeah, self- I like that word. Right, the selflessness <laughs> of somebody like a Russell Westbrook to be able to come, uh, you know, come out of the second rotation. You know, earlier on in their career. Quick recap for some folks. These two played in Oklahoma City Thunder together. That's right. James Harden That's right. was the sixth man of the year coming off the bench, whereas Russell Westbrook was a starter. Later on in their years, both of them managed to average triple-doubles, become uh, season MVPs, the both of them. Now it's kind of roles reversed where Harden's in the starting lineup and Russell Westbrook is coming off that second lineup. But they still show so much love for each other. Former teammates have played together in Oklahoma City, Houston Rockets, and now, um, and now here at the Clippers. And they're both L.A. boys. So I'm pretty sure they would love to bring one home for the Clippers. The Clippers are playing great, great basketball right now. And, yeah, that's they sure are, Muckbill. Just a quick uh, recap of the Western Conference standing. Oklahoma City Thunder, Minnesota Timberwolves at the top. They're tied. Clippers right there, just a half game behind. Lovely, man. We love to see it. We're going to keep watching, man. The NBA has been so exciting, and we can't wait to see uh, what happens right after All-Star break. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks to producer and VOA sports reporter Muck Bill Yabaro. That wraps up the February 6th edition of the show. Thanks also to VOA engineer Audrius Regis. And thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA Sonny Young in Washington, and that's the sunny side of sports. Sports.